This is Words That Move Me, the podcast where movers and shakers like you get the information and inspiration you need to navigate your creative career with clarity and confidence. I am your host, Master Mover, Dana Wilson. And if you're someone that loves to learn, laugh, and is looking to rewrite the starving artist story, then sit tight, but don't stop moving, because you're in the right place. Hello, hello, my friend, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Dana. This is Words That Move Me. I'm stoked you're here. I am stoked to be sharing this conversation. My guest today is the one and only Kara Mack. Kara is such a gift. Um, I don't even know where to begin. She is the founder and CEO of Africa in America. She is a dancer, choreographer, movement coach, educator, um, a self-proclaimed forever student. Uh, So she and I are kindred in that way. And she's a producer, a mother. I, I mean, so much more. You're about to find out. And I'm willing to bet you are also about to learn a lot. But first, let's talk wins. I love starting every episode with wins, and today I love letting you know that my win is one of those unique and special moments where work and play get to overlap. I'll be traveling to Phoenix, Arizona for NYCDA Nationals, and I get to visit my dad. If you've been listening for a long time, you might have even heard from my dad. He was on a Father's Day episode. Um, You've probably also had the chance audibly meet my mom, but I don't get to see my dad as much. He lives in Phoenix, and I'm excited to visit, see a little bit what his world is like, and um, uh, get to teach a bunch of young dancelings as well. So win, win, birds, stone, that's what I'm celebrating today. (laughs) All right, what is going well in your world? Hit me. Congratulations. I'm proud of you. Stoked for you. Keep winning. Now, let's dig in. This episode is a call for reverence. It is a call for respect. In this episode, Kara and I really dig into the importance of African diasporic movement and music being recognized and celebrated technical forms, not hobbies, not electives, not extra credit, and certainly not something that you slap on the special skills part of your resume after you've taken two, quote, African classes. Kara will talk a lot more about that. She's also going to talk about entertainment and activism, education. Man, oh, it's beautiful. She also goes in, and this is important, on the harmony that is society and how important we all are to this song called life. Oh, y'all, it goes deep. (laughs) So buckle up and get ready to enjoy the absolutely incredible 
Kara Mack. Kara Mack, welcome to Words That Move Me. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me, Dana. I am thrilled to get to like talk to you for an hour, but also really, really excited to share you with my listeners. Um, I, You and I have, had not met in person until just a week ago, and I'm assuming you will be meeting some of these listen type, listener types for the first time. Yes. Uh, so I'll start by simply asking you to introduce yourself and tell us anything you want us to know about you. Well, I am a very simple person. So hello, everyone. My name is Kara Mack, and I just like to call myself a Black Renaissance woman. So that incorporates everything that you need to know about me. <laughs> you better renaissance. And what better time to have a renaissance woman on the podcast than the actual renaissance? <laughs> this is the in, in so many ways um, an awakening for arts, uh, cultural awareness and awakening. Yes. And also like the actual circumstances are. Things are opening, things are happening, and I am so glad that they are happening with you, a, a part of our lives, a part of our world. I appreciate um, that, Dana, thank you. Oh, my pleasure. The, the Trust me, the compliments are only just beginning because the more <laughs> I learn about you, the more I love about you. Uh, I, I would love to start by talking about Africa in America. You are the founder and CEO um, of, of this I'm going to call it a resource, but please correct my language. I'm not sure what to call it, actually, because it is a very all-encompassing entity. Brand. Um, could you, could you, it's a brand. Okay. Could you talk a little bit about Africa and America, what your vision was for it back in 2014 when you started, and um, what, you're, what you're up to now? Well, basically, I started it in 2014, but it happened within my heart like many, many years before the actual like first event. And the reason why I started it was twofold. So first, from the aspect of being a dance teacher in dance academies and the respect, or I should say lack thereof. Lack of. <laughs> within dance academies, within my experience for any style un under the African diasporic umbrella. I'm saying any style. So in the beginning, you have particular people that have certain respect, but then they may get busy and they have to put other people in charge who decide that it's only ballet, modern jazz mm. that needs to be required. Mm -hmm. Now the other stuff are electives. So with oh. me year after year after year trying to tell them, hey, you guys, we being adults, that mentality trickles down to the students. So yes, mm -hmm. they are going, you know, you do sign 25 students up for my West African class, but because mm -hmm. of that mentality of you already saying that that class is an elective, I'm not going to consistently have 25 kids in my class whenever it's supposed mm -hmm. to because they mm -hmm. already know based off of how adults roll that these are only the top three or the only things that you need to know to be successful in America as a dancer. 
So damaging. So damaging. So with that being, you know, starting off just seeing that and me having to pull away from the academic side, now I'm traveling overseas and actually introducing myself to continental Africans or other Africans in in the diaspora. And they're looking at me like, hold up, where did you learn our stuff? Because they had no idea that it has been here since the 50s. Here being? In America. Mm -hmm. So they're not understanding how I'm dancing and doing all of that stuff like as if I was living there. Ah. Was this, in your view, a compliment to you and your teachers and your... Yes, Uh, but also just, just blown away by how we in the diaspora are still so divided, uh, still like, you know, we're in our different places. So when I came back, I said, what could I do to be a bridge? Mm -hmm. And to also from the beginning to the end, say, respect the techniques respect the techniques, respect the techniques. So that's why I put and started 2014, Africa in America, even the logo, the Africa's in between the A and A, Africa in America, because I'm African-American, yes. But it is about the bridge and the foundation between those continental Africans and the diaspora. And how can we begin to educate? So I started educating through, of course, bringing master drummers, master dancers, having master workshops so people can be exposed to it. Then I said, I'm gonna have an annual original work showcase specifically for African diasporic music and dance because I see Red Cat, I see all of these original work showcases, but whenever they see African diasporic movement, they look like, "What? why are you doing this? I don't even understand it. So I don't understand your original work and why did you submit? So I said, Africa and America will produce our own original work. So I give choreographers and composers every year. For seven years straight, I did this at Barnsdall Gallery Theater in Los Feliz. So I've dealt with, in one showcase, over 25 different artists on the stage because when you bring a choreographer, they are bringing their dancers, they're bringing their music. So all of the city, whoever, you know, follows Africa and America, you get to see an original work showcase specifically for these styles. So you may get Panamanian, you may get Afro-Brazilian, you may get, you know, it's so much stuff that just happens on that petite stage at Barnsdall Gallery Theater. So then I took it further. I said, okay, how can we, you know, just keep it in people's faces? I said, oh, clothing line, t-shirts, stretch pants, all of this different. So I just began to evolve as the years went on. And here we are in 2021, just like you see everyone like respect the technique, t-shirts, all of this stuff. And I'm just like, yeah, respect. Because it's not my group. I want to shine a light on everybody who does this and takes it seriously and who's professionals at it so that people can understand like, hey, the same way that you respect certain styles, just, just, you know, have empathy in your heart to say, okay, I just didn't know about that. So mm-hmm. now let me educate myself about that. And then you will see that the same blood, sweat, and tears that you had to put into pointing your foot, you have to put into lifting up your legs and do something that's West African. So simple. I see respect the technique being 
naming a technique versus assuming it's a hobby exactly. or assuming it's a a pastime uh cultural dance uh um i want to say folk dance folk being of the people of a place yes uh right so this is this is claiming space exactly as an essential form and wow as when when you're talking about a teacher's responsibility to embody and um exemplify what they're teaching and the importance of what they're teaching if a teacher demonstrates that west african styles are not important if they demonstrate with their language and with you know with how they move in the world that that's a that that's a hobby then it makes total sense that the students would too yes and the more i learn the student the ever the perpetual student in me i see african diasporic movement and music as being like the basest base level of our food pyramid this is like a nutritionist trying to tell a young person to eat their veggies and fruits and grains with a candy bar hanging out of their mouth or like eating only so drinking only soda like this to Speak. me it's it's that foundational it is the base of our food pyramid and we are suggesting that it is a snack or a a, a sweet treat for you know when we're when we're wanting to feel like we can get our toes wet in the cultural arts it just is so that's messed up exactly what it is that's exactly what it is like you couldn't have said it any better and it's frustrating uh, well, well then we'll stop these... here before i can say something stupid because trust me i'm new to this i i am i am learning so much every day and thank you for being such a willing and compassionate teacher but no it just yeah, this is this is why I'm excited to have you here today. I want to hear more about this. I want to, like you said, being able to humble down and say, "Oh, I didn't know that. Oh, I didn't. I didn't ever hear that. I have never seen that." Isn't anything to be embarrassed of. In fact, y'all, if I have anything to do with it, Kara Mack will be doing a lot more work in the world that's <laughs> making you feel like you know nothing. <laughs> um, okay, so African dance. Africa, the continent, is a continent. Well, let's just say that right yeah. outright. This is not yeah. a country. Yeah. <laughs> this is not a one oh type of people. This is not a one type of dance. Ooh. But um, I'm, I'm hoping that it becomes more integrated in our dance institutions and in our, you know, curriculum for building dance. But I also hope to see more of it in pop culture, and that is what I want to talk talk about next. If you are not totally tired of talking about Kendrick Lamar's Grammy performance <laughs> in 2016. Can we please talk about it? No problem, because honestly, <laughs> that was the beginning of like, who is this chick and where did she come from type of vibe. So go on ahead and ask away <laughs> any questions okay. you have. So first of all, if you haven't already seen this legendary performance, Kendrick Lamar... 2016 I think he won like yes. five Grammys that year so yes. that ought to yeah he came with heat yes um please watch I'll, I'll make sure to link to the performance so that you can watch it and watch Kara getting down um <laughs> but in this piece we we get to see black men in chains in prison jumpsuits yes. we get to see a very stark deliberate and 
artful but not subtle line between the incarceration of black men in America and Africa, period. It's people. Their resilience, their bravery, their energy, their fight. And seen side by side, this is one of the most impactful pop performances I've ever seen. And I call it pop not because that's the style of music it is, but because this is mainstream, this is the Grammys, this is network television. This performance was brought into the homes of middle America and a bunch of Americans that had that probably possibly probably would rather have not seen that that night mm-hmm. i'm so happy you know that dana <laughs> and, <laughs> well i got i got rocked i was uncomfortable as hell watching okay. that performance it was loud but i think that there is i have always strived in my work if we're talking about bridges to bridge entertainment and education mm-hmm. I just think <laughs> and we'll talk about more about teaching in a second but I really think that you could do a quick sneak attack and do a lot of education under the veil of entertainment yes. Sesame Street is a beautiful testament but that's not all I think we can really make education entertaining and get a huge payoff from it but back up what that performance did was entertain and agitate yes. at the same time and that is harder yes. <laughs> and i can only imagine the number of meetings and discussions and approvals and permissions and the number of straight ups forgive my language but you i don't care what you say this is what we're doing yes. i can only imagine how much yes. of that was going on behind the scenes I have now talked for 20 minutes about this performance and not asked the single question. <laughs> I love it. I'm just over here like, I don't have you anything do. to answer. You just totally got it in your head. That's hilarious. All right. I'm okay, still so, listening. Okay. 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 I would love to know about your involvement in that creative process i've only shared one creative space with you and then one training space with you which both of which i'm eternally grateful for but in this creative space you you brought a lot of context and a lot of history a lot of your knowledge to the room i've been in rooms where that isn't always welcome whether that's because of the leader at the top or whether that's because of simply not there being enough time like we 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 have four hours to get 40 people doing the same thing at the same time we don't have time to be educated right now we're we're assuming point blank that everyone in the room is educated gotcha if we're on this gig so what i would love to know is on that gig did you serve a similar role to the role that i've seen you in which is delivering the context delivering some history so was your role in that process similar did you serve in in a similar way I served as, uh, yes, I would like to say first to answer. Yes, I served in a similar way, but also deeper. um, Flowers to Fatima Robinson for being a particular leader that allows me every time that I work with her to 
actually give the reason for why I'm doing a certain movement because she understands that first of all, this is a new movement for you quote unquote season industry dancers. Mm. You have not seen this movement. So while you're trying to figure out the movement within your body, that's mm-hmm. why we're here for all of these hours. It's not you being here for all of these hours trying to, you already have the movement and you're trying to get spacing. Mm-hmm. Or you're trying to find out what is your reason behind this two-step. No, you actually <laughs> first have to get the movement. So I'm here having you know, a semi-African diasporic boot camp. So at the same time, I now have to explain to you why I'm doing the movement so you won't look confused (laughs) Mm -hmm. in simply doing the movement on stage. So if you don't have a leader that's giving you that space and opportunity to do it, I think... And I, and I would and I say think because a lot of leaders don't lead like her, which is sad to say. But some leaders will say, you know, get the movement and I don't care, look confused on stage. But it's your choreo. Mm-hmm. Do you that's get what I said? So that's your name attached to it. So with Fatima, it's like, yes, Kara. Tell Kendrick why you're doing this. Tell the dancers uh, why yeah, you're she's, doing it. She's no fool. Yeah, so it's like <laughs> yeah. share away, share away. So with that being the aura and the vibe that I was under, I had the space and opportunity to create whatever movement that I wanted. Mm-hmm. She gave, she just said, go. I didn't even know actually what was going on. I didn't know who the artist was. I just know that I was brought in to do a job. And then over time, I started to see the weight of that job (laughs) and who that artist was. But it was just, Kara, just move. You hear the music, just move. And now teach these dancers what you just did. And so even within that, Dana, I didn't tell my family or anybody because you know the industry like you you can love it one day and then the producers and everybody come later that week and it's just like scratch all of that da 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 but once oh, yeah. we made it to the staple center and i saw that it still remained like i was like are you serious <laughs> massive it was massive massive and then to think that none of us even knew that he was going to do the whole continent with Compton ending. We did not get any of those visuals yet. So imagine us in the back, like looking up at the monitor and him in it, in it, in it, in it, and it's the continent. I was like, are you serious? But I even told him when we left um, one of the rehearsals, I said, are you ready? Because remember, it was right after Beyonce's Super Bowl performance. Formation. The formation with the Mike mm-hmm. Michael Jackson mm-hmm. with the black power, mm-hmm. that whole mm-hmm. thing. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people was giving her flack. Like, that shouldn't be at the Super Bowl. What is she doing? Black this way. And then the black people was like, yeah, hell yeah. So it was very like, ooh. And so when I saw what Entertainment he wanted, and agitation. Yeah. And when I saw what he was leaning towards, I'm like, you're going to the source. 
and you're putting it on the Grammy stage. So I asked him, I was like, are you ready for it? And he shook his head. It was like, he didn't expect me to, you know, ask that question, but it was like him letting it sink in. And he's like, yeah, yeah, I'm ready. Cause I, it's like, I felt the weight without even seeing any of the visuals, any of what was going to be presented on video, none of that, just the movement and just seeing like how it began and how it ended. I said, wow, are you ready? He said, yeah. I said, okay, but I had no idea. Dana, no idea it was going to be as big and impactful as it was. Like first I was telling you like, it was because of social media where people that are professionals in these styles was like, no, who did that choreo in front of like who did that part and it was just like wow that's what's up all of my people in cuba all of my people in brazil all of my people in different countries in west africa that saw that grammy performance it was like put it in the comments caramac 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 and i was like wow I, that's what's up. All right. So I understand my responsibility and I have to continue going down this particular path in my life. I'm so glad to hear that people said your name and people yes, wrote your name and people read your name. My follow-up question is a tough one. It com It's coming up a lot lately and I'm glad that it is because I think it's an important distinction to make. Were you a contributing choreographer on that job? Or was your role a dancer? Or was your role assistant? Or what What was your title? I would like to say for that particular job, I was, I was a dancer, but I also contributed the movement that you see in front of the bonfire. Like that particular part. Yes, I contributed that. Um, and yeah, like within the industry, I'm happy to say that Fatima, also Adrian, big ups mm -hmm. to Dubs, um, Charm, just mm -hmm. different people that were witnesses and can account for uh, the work that I put in. I'm very, very, very appreciative for them because I respect all of them very much. But it's very true that with other people in other circumstances, they do not get that same just due. So yeah, I'm happy mm -hmm. that these conversations are coming up as well. Mm-hmm. I think it's um, a broader conversation in the education of what the choreography department brings to a project, mm -hmm. not necessarily just being eight counts. As you mentioned, in this case, it was history lessons. Yes, it was steps. Yes, it was even your body doing the steps, but it was context. It was information. It was, I mean, I'm assuming I can I can only imagine a borderline religious experience in that room every day. Yeah. Um, and, and I think that some, some audiences know that, most of them don't. Some productions know that, many of them don't. Many of them don't know that choreography is a department. They yes. think that's one person, one choreographer, and the, the thought that one person could control i'll use that word for lack of a better one at this moment could control the 40 people that were on stage nope no nope. no that and with, I, nope. with me learning all of with me learning over the course of time like 
Fatima has also been a great teacher, um, just shedding so much information on my physical body, mentally and spiritually, is the fact that no, even if someone asked me to do all of that, I would look at them like you have lost your ever loving mind. Like the things that you have to do in coordinating with different um, departments, departments, with the clothing, yeah. and then with the props, and then with the lighting, and what is the artist going to wear, and, da, da, da. and it's just like, no, absolutely. So everyone who's listening, <laughs> that is what comes with that particular role as choreographer. It's not stepping in a studio and saying five, six, seven, eight. So yeah, if you didn't know, now you know. <laughs> Uh, super shout out to not my last episode, but the episode before when I sit down with the choreography team from In the Heights. It really was when they say it takes a village, in our case, at least a small apartment complex <laughs> of people <laughs> to get that done. But then, but w one of the things that we talk about in that episode is that the structure of the choreography, the organization and the collaboration of the choreography team is one thing. And it does get to shine in that movie, Holy Smokes. But what really shows up on the screen is the spirit of the dancers. That's the one part the choreography team can't deliver on the day. Yes. <laughs> you know, we could we we are involved in casting. We have discussion with music, with set, with all of the other departments, but on the day it's dance team. Yes. who's supported by choreo team that gets out and gets the word out that's like, "Oh, we are important. Yes. This matters." And so I I see that performance as a beautiful example of that. The dancers on stage, I mean, I cry. I think about Marv. I think about watching you dance. It is so, calling it impassioned feels small. It feel, it, it's like possessed. It is something, such a treat for, especially for an award show. Um, but I, I just, I think the world of that performance and I'm in awe of your role in it. I'm so glad it exists Thank and I want you. everyone to watch it five times. I want to share one um, special moment for me. Um, I've shared this before, but I want to share it on your platform. When I shared uh, with Kendrick uh, the part of the choreo where we do a circle around him, he in the beginning thought that it was like, oh, it's like spirits around me and I'm scattered and I'm trying to find my place. And it was the moment that I was like, no, Kendrick, that's not, this is the rhythm, Sandia, but it's Lamba, the song Lamba, which is lifting up the oral historian, which is the griot. Mm -hmm. And I said, Kendrick, you are African-Americans oral historian. So we are doing this movement around you to lift you up and to give you energy for what is your role. Mm -hmm. And so he just got quiet and he said, you know, basically was like, okay, okay. And automatically I saw a change within mm -hmm. him and during that performance. It's like, oh, wow, I get it. Like, it's like claiming 
my responsibility and claiming my role for what I'm supposed to do. So now I'm going to just take this a whole mile past what I thought I was going to present on a Grammy stage. So, yeah, that wow. moment was special to me because he really wow. thought he was just like, oh, it's, you know, things around me and I'm trying to figure. It's like, no, there's nothing to figure out. We are here only to uplift you and to encourage you for you are our oral historian. You are our griot. Thank you so much for sharing that. Yeah. That's awesome. That makes me want to go in one direction, but I'm going to go another direction. Then I'm going to circle back. Okay. I got Google Maps pulled up. They're like, they're like, you are not on the fastest route. Do you want to take another route? And I'm like, no, I want to stay on this route. Let me, let me keep going. I had Monsell Durden on the podcast over the summer of last year, and uh, I took a few of his courses, um, Intangible Roots, which was awesome. And then he did a collaboration series with Passion Fruit Seeds. I learned so much. One of the, um, one of the themes that I liked learning about the most and was embarrassed and ashamed that I had not heard of sooner was the notion of a ring shout and what happens to the dancer who is in the center. The the geometry obviously is very significant and very important. There's of the land, there's of the godly, there's of the water, mm-hmm. um, and there's this notion that the person in the center may be mounted by a spirit. Mm. And I asked you a similar question the other day when we were jamming, but I asked Monsell this question specifically in a ring shout. This moment was not about dance. This was not about show and prove. This was Mm -hmm. not about anybody's sick skills or it wasn't about like even attracting a mate. It wasn't about being the dopest and getting the best dancer or the best, you know, whatever. It's not about this. It is a religious experience. Mm -hmm. And in learning more and more and the depth of those roots, becoming more aware of um, the the pantheon of Orishas in Mm -hmm. Yoruba culture, Mm -hmm. I'm learning the importance of religion, of spirituality. And so, I asked Monsell, is there space for atheism in this dance? Is there room for other gods than these? I know there are hundreds of Orishas, but we hear specifically about a small handful of them. Mm -hmm. Like, is there room for what I think of that God Mm -hmm. in this dance? Or could a person, I've asked eight questions now. (laughs) could, Could a person still authentically embody the dance? without believing in those gods? To first answer the question um, the same way that I answered it when we were jamming, you first have to come with the honor and the respect of what is the tradition. So there are a lot of people, you may have dancers that are professionals in these styles that may be a Buddhist. They may believe, you know, in so many different uh, like other different religious and faiths like yeah but the reason why they are professional within the music and dance styles is because of the respect and the honor of what those people do because once again we're not talking about styles where 
everyone that is within that ethnic group is now wiped off the planet. Those people are living and breathing, cultivating. They're still living their lives as we are doing this podcast right now. So you have to just dig deeper in those types of, you know, worldviews and concepts that's outside of a westernized structure of, oh, this is what I do, so how can I put what I do onto you? <clears throat> it's not, and it should not be about that at all it should be because it isn't western (laughs) exactly it should be about the total acceptance for what it is now you within your own spirit have to make choices once you see something and experience something for what it is you then have to ask certain questions of yourself not turning it into which a lot of westernized people do to here are some suggestions that I believe can make your brand better. (laughs) And that's we treat, we treat styles musically and movement wise like they're brands. So we don't look at it as I know the roots and I'm being creative. It's now like, no, I've adjusted it properly. It is Mm. now my signature and now you will call it by my name. Mm. Man, when you put it that way, it is a very uh, unsavory thought. And it has been- Unappetizing. It's been done so much. So to, to, to finalize and complete that question, you can do you. You can do you freely. However, when you come with now this passion, because I believe, Dana, with you especially, and to all of the listeners who have this passion to learn certain things now or even before that you probably can't even explain. No, you move on that passion. You move on what's moving your spirit. Now in your head, you probably define things a certain way and that's totally you doing you. But I'm also a believer in you being moved by your passions. And and I'm just sticking to that. Whatever you wanna call that, mm-hmm. call it. Whatever vocabulary word, <laughs> whatever <laughs> title, it's all on you. But I'm gonna I'm, call it. <laughs> pineapple (laughs) (laughs) if you are if you are pineappling in your Mm -hmm. heart Mm -hmm. then you better go down that pineapple road because Mm -hmm. in the end honestly when you are at that age where it's like yeah i have done it and i am complete you won't feel complete because you know within your heart that it was so many things that you were passionate about you know you what's incredible? Do. Can I tell you what, what's incredible? What? As you were giving that beautiful speech about passion, I was fondling my neck, my necklace, which is a blue ceramic heart. It is a keepsake that I have had since my first trip to Los Angeles as a preteen. Well, I guess I was technically, I think I was 13 or 14. 
I was taking my first dance class at Millennium Dance Complex. My heart was so wildly on fire for dance. I went across the street. There was a little boutique and... I think I'm pretty sure I was supposed to use this money on like food <laughs> and I found this necklace and I fell in love with it and I was fondling it and the little bead that's in the middle of the heart just fell out but I'm not going to make that mean I've lost my passion but, um, it's, I can see it it's on the floor I was find some glue it's about eternal heart okay so what I would like to add to this notion of respect and honor because I, I, I want to ask an ignorant question, but I'm going to stop myself. Don't say ignorant. Um, a, a, a poorly formed question. <laughs> How do you know you have reached respect and honor? How do you know that, like, okay, uh, I took Munsell's workshop over the summer. I respect and honor. That's not it. So how do you know, how do you measure that point, and how do you know that you've arrived? That is actually a great, great question. When you, uh, when you shut up and humble yourself and you just receive. Mm-hmm. When, it's not about, when it's not about you. And I say that meaning there are a lot of people that already assume when I say when it's not about you, it's like, oh no, what I am a humble person. In class, I do fall back and I'm pretty I, quiet I, and I, da da da. I, you know, I. and you hear the I. <laughs> you hear, and it's like all of the 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 attributes of how humility looks to them comes out as a defense to what I'm saying, like, you know when you're totally invisible and the movement and the music is the only thing that matters. You as a person, me as Kara Mack, when I'm receiving information, my history, where I was born, how old I was, my my credits, what I will be doing on the day after the class, none of that matters. None of that matters. Like I am fully in the moment so much that I have disappeared into the space of whatever is occurring during that time that I'm receiving that information. It could simply be in a studio in Hollywood or I could be out on the beach in Dakar, Senegal, West Africa. I'm in that space. I don't need the attributes of what it looks like to be in the earth and to be to actually be in the earth and be present and be there to receive information. Like we ha- it, people have gotten so, 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 so westernized that we have to create the visual to make us seem like we're connecting with the universe. No, if you're really connecting with the universe, you can connect with the universe wherever you are. And you're likely not on your phone in that moment. Just in simple things like that. So that's when you know like, okay, that is the beginning of my learning because I'm a forever student. I'm gonna be learning until, you know, you see me physically no more. But that is the beginning of 
when you begin to actually learn, when you're totally out of the way, when you're totally, totally out of the way, and someone has to point you out and say, okay, Dana, I see that you're now ready for blase, 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 blase. Not you taking it upon yourself to say, now I see myself. I've been in these classes for so and so. It's no, no. In those moments, it can be a child that points you out. It doesn't have to be the head of a company or head of a production. It's the spirit. Spirit recognizes spirit. In fact, it's probably to seek that type of validation from that type of moment is even further in the in the in the opposite direction of the selflessness that you are uh, speaking of. I think. Yes. Well. That is certainly a lot to chew on and possibly the best answer to the best question that I almost didn't ask. <laughs> no, so I, I love thank that question. That. It's, it's not an ignorant question. And a lot of people, oh, a lot of people that are artists need to get back to that because for some reason we, we are now living in a society that really really belittles art just period to make us seem like we carry no responsibility when we are the movers and shakers of society we are politicians artists are politicians politics economic cultural any type of title you want to give arts moves things in certain directions People that were invisible 10 years ago, 20 years ago, are now visible because of artists. Because of artists. So we have to claim or and take back that power within all of us. So as dancers, as musicians, as visual artists, whatever you do, you have to take that back. And then when you start to get that confidence back, then you will be able to see how it's easy to disappear and just soak up, just be a sponge, Res bring respect and honor to whatever new experience that you're experiencing at the time. It's gonna be easy because you understand the, the power that you have. It's gonna be easy because you think that the process is one that is fulfilling versus one that is exhausting. And I'll admit with full humility that in the wake of the murder of George Floyd and Breonna Taylor, I felt like catching up was impossible. Mm. I felt like the amount of research, respect, and honor I owed, I couldn't in my lifetime pay. Hmm. And and so that feeling is kept me from doing it for a short time. This idea that I could never respect enough or honor enough or right the wrongs enough. Mm -hmm. And that's not useful. <laughs> In fact, I, I really I think that there's a similarity here. Um, and I'm, I'm getting foggy brain, so I'm going to try to put it as concisely as I can. When you think it's a responsibility, a joy, an honor, a pleasure to lead in this way, then the respect and the honor comes free flowing. 
versus trying to muster it and trying to meet a deadline or certain mile markers of having done enough. It's simply what we do. It's simply what we do. And then... Should we choose it? Should we choose it? Which is a responsibility. I... But... <sighs> go, go, go. I just think the majority of the stress will just fall off all of our shoulders if we see that we are not the only ones that are doing what we're doing. When we have a bird's eye view mm-hmm. and an aerial view to the people that are in different geographic locations mm-hmm. all mm-hmm. over okay, this I world. I see. I see. If yeah. we Zoom just out. if we just I I can uh I contributed uh to think about the definition of polyrhythms. Polyrhythms. We African diasporic music and dance showcases polyrhythmic things. So think about, just dig deeper on polyrhythms. Polyrhythms encompasses different rhythms that's happening all at the same time. Multiple, simultaneous, responsible. Now, imagine if one person falls off their rhythm If one person chooses to copy someone else's rhythm Mm -hmm. or if someone chooses to leave that rhythm, the Mm -hmm. ensemble falls off. Mm -hmm. So in African diaspora music and dance, it's the artist as an individual understanding the responsibility of the fact that if I don't contribute what I'm supposed to contribute, let's go deeper. If Mm -hmm. I don't do my purpose, Mm -hmm. then this whole community community, ensemble, group falls off because of me not contributing anything. The society is making us to believe that when we don't contribute anything, it doesn't matter. They've been successful at doing that. If someone gives five part harmony and this one part is off, no one is focusing on the fact that four other singers are still singing on key. They're saying this five part harmony is off. Look at that in life. How important is that one person in that polyrhythm, in that five-part or six-part or seven-part harmony, even three-part harmony? That means that your life, the part that you play, matters. So don't overthink about how much you're giving. Just freaking give. Just give. Don't let systems tell you that you don't need to give because your contribution, whatever it is, doesn't matter. That's a lie. That's the point. That's the lie. So you don't carry the weight of it, all of it, on your shoulders. It's other people in the ensemble making this beautiful music right along with you. And you have to pay attention to every role that's being played all at the same time that you're giving your little And then you look at it like, oh, I don't carry all of this on my shoulders. Oh, it's not my responsibility to do everything because I feel so much coming from my spirit due to social injustice, things of that nature. No, everyone is doing it. That's key. That's key. Weightless does not mean responsibility-less. Exactly. (laughs) It means my responsibility. Exactly. Which relative to the big picture, is small but if i choose to not carry it for fear of the whole load then none of then none of it 
then the systems are successful and they can keep on doing what they're doing because here is one person out and I'm still going to take yes that's the way I turn everything into music Mm -hmm. sorry that's all I'm I'm with it this is great (laughs) and I, I, I love the way that that you did that and brought some broader context you know zooming out to a global versus a dance scale but um it, because it is it dance is, is life and life is dance and this is it this is why we're here because i'm fascinated by that and that and that learning dance lessons really makes me a better human and being a better human makes me a better dancer all of my out there life experiences that show up on a stage in a performance or even in a, a brainstorm, even pre-performance stage, all of the humanness is very helpful to what I do. Um, but I, I, uh, I've derailed again. I'm excited. What <laughs> I wanted to, what I wanted to shout you out for, which you just did, this was a great teaching moment for all of the teachers who are listening, is you brought context to help something stick. It's more than making an analogy of two things that are unlike and saying that they're alike. It's helping me understand and making sticky uh, a concept that I was struggling with. That's what you just did. And it sounds like that's what you did in the room with Kendrick, Mm. where you got to understand that regardless of how much time is offered or regardless of who is leading, that additional understanding any additional understanding any additional context not only helps things to click faster but it makes things last longer mm-hmm. and if we're here to make long lasting change then it's got to be sticky these lessons that we're delivering and these lessons that we're learning and this art that we're making has to be sticky yes so thank you for making that sticky lesson for me practical lesson for all you dancers the Mm -hmm. reasons why you should search and find other styles other classes to take and disappear in it learn it get soaked up in it is because dance is a language the only way that you you call yourself proficient in any language is once you're able to comfortably in that language say what you mean and mean what you say without that you're not proficient in that language so if you call yourself a dancer i don't care if you love one style over another if you're if you lean towards i'm just saying a professional dancer i believe that you would want to have as many vocabulary words for you to express yourself as you can instead of your sentences being structured I went to the store. I would like my sentences to be structured. Yesterday, as the light shined so bright in Los Angeles, California, I took my bike down to the store and met Mr. John, who said, that's the difference between an amateur and a professional dancer. So that's on a practical sense. Mm -hmm. 
vocabulary. Mm-hmm. Up mm-hmm. your vocabulary. So then you could be able to get the jobs that you want and be successful at it. Up your vocab. Thank you. please up your freaking vocab with the base of the food pyramid not the top of the food pyramid yes what day i'm dying (laughs) okay so on that note kara where can we find more of you and your training um i'm absolutely going to be linking to africa in america yes well, as you said, at Africa and America, that's both on Instagram and Facebook. And Dana knows I'm a private person. I, I personally, for me, I'm not the person that uses social media as like the resume. I'm all like, here's my kid. And we went to the park. That's like my personal Instagram. So sorry for you guys who are looking for like, choreography videos every two days for me and things that no I don't do any of that so you could get any update from me at the Africa in America um, link but if you want to send me a request because you're very interested in my private life it is at Matt Cara (laughs) I love this so much um (laughs) Okay, well, thank you for that beautiful conversation. A peek into your experience um, as an educator, as a performer, as a choreographer, as a person who understands pop culture and rich, rich culture. I am so grateful for your time. Thank you, Kara. Thank you, Dana. Much love, peace, and blessings to everyone who's listening and continue to support this chica, bomb chica named Dana. Dana, you're hilarious. Uh, Oh, my God. She's (laughs) laughing because I'm just dancing in this tiny little corner where I try to record my podcast. Very small movement. Kara, we'll talk to you again soon. Thank you again for being here. Bye. Bye. Well, my friends, that was something else, wasn't it? I love Kara's thoughts on responsibility. I love the way she encourages a well-rounded vocabulary. I love the way she teaches, and I love the way she underlines the importance of respect and how to know once you've found it. (laughs) Um, Here's one of the things that I really loved the most. She says... In bold font. I could tell she was speaking in bold font. Don't overthink about how much you're giving. Just freaking give. (laughs) So thank you for giving us gold, Caramac. And thank you all for listening. I so appreciate you. Now get out there and give. And of course, keep it very, very funky. (laughs) I'll talk to you soon. Bye. Me again. Wondering if you ever noticed that one more time almost never means one more time. (laughs) Well, here on the podcast, one more thing actually means two more things. Number one thing, if you're digging the pod, if these words are moving you, please don't forget to download, subscribe, and leave a rating or review because your words move me too. 
Number two thing, I make more than weekly podcasts. So please visit thedanawilson.com for links to free workshops and so, so, so much more. All right, that's it now, for real. Talk to you soon. Bye.